Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Colliver here with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan as we break down what we're going to see this weekend at Mid-Ohio and Michigan. Also, we'll talk to um, somebody from the about Pocono's doubleheader. We'll discuss that a little bit as well. 917-889-8280, all things uh, what we're talking about here, NASCAR racing. Okay, uh, guys, real quick, I want to get some – before we have our guests come on here, I want to get uh, some interesting topics. One is some kind of, of what I call mid-season superlatives. Uh, I want to get them out of the way here quick. Um, our mid-year, I guess, awards. I know it's kind of thrown on you quick here. Um, but if you had to – just off the top of your head, Spencer Cowan, I'll start with you. What team do you think is the most improved team so far here in 2019? Uh, if you had to pick, what team would you say is the most improved team? Now, obviously, you're not looking at the points and, and stuff like that. You don't really have to, but it doesn't even need to be that. You know, There could be a team that gained two or three points, positions in the points, but they're just way better than where they were a year ago. What are your thoughts on, on the most improved team here in 2019? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the one car. Um... And just because, the, I mean, we all know how they've been running this year. Um, yes, they have a new driver in, but the the driver is only as good as his car is. So for them to, you know, where they were running with McMurray, for them to have a win, uh, finish top ten in the first eight races, and still continuing to finish in the top ten, um, and that's week in and week out. So uh, I'm just going to keep it quick, and I'm going to have to say the one car. And so I guess Chip Canassi as a whole – uh, or just half of them, but the one car stands out in my eyes. Listen, I think that's a very good pick. I mean, uh, again, you know, they don't might not have gained as many points positions as a lot of other teams uh, might have. You know, you look at it and say, well, they've only gained, you know, five or six points positions, but they've done a really good job uh, as far as speed is concerned. You know, last year they were sort of a top, maybe a, on a good day, a top five team, a top ten team. Here on a good day, they've shown they can compete for wins. So I think I really like that pick a lot. How about you, Philip Matthew? Um, most improved team here so far in 2019 in uh, in the NASCAR Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. I mean, uh, Spencer had the one uh, that came to mind <clears throat> immediately, but I'm just going and doing a quick look. I'll I'll go somebody only a couple of places ahead of him. And I'll say Denny Hamlin. Uh, Denny Hamlin this year has won three races. He actually looks like a factor. Uh, for the first time, I would say, in nearly a decade. I, I The way he looks this year, the way he's performing, the kind of energy he has reminds me of 2010 when he probably should have won a Cup Series championship. Uh the change to Gabe Hart from uh, Mike Wheeler, while he was against it, Denny Hamlin, it ended up working. I think that was the last call that JD made there. Um, of course, you could talk about all the things with Rev Gibbs and you know JD passing away and all these other you know things. But I I think if it isn't Kurt Busch, which is I, I think the the number one choice uh, because of how much the exponential gains that they've taken in multiple areas. I think it's Denny Hamlin because he's a real factor to possibly 
get to the championship for. Um, so that's just my my two cents, I think, in terms of who would be the most improved because they weren't a factor last that's, year at all. I agree with that too. I think that's a very good pick. Those That's a couple of guys who, towards the front of the field, again, they didn't really gain a lot in points position-wise, but I think uh, as far as speed is concerned, how they've run, uh, I think it's pretty good. I'm going to go with another guy here, and he's only gained three points positions from where he finished last season, but uh, he's got potential here with how he's been running lately to gain a lot more than that and put himself into the top 20 in points. And that's Chris Buescher in the 37 car for JTG Dollary Racing. Uh, he's done a great job this year. Trent Owens in that 37 car. They've had speed all year. Early in the year, they really had a lot of speed. But they couldn't really put the finishes together. I think it was Bristol or Richmond. One of the two, they were up. I think it was Richmond. They were up in the top 10. And then the final run, they lost about 15 spots at the end of that race and really weren't able to uh, finish in the top 20 there. And that was a disappointing day for them. And it happened a couple of times in the middle of, in the middle of the year there. But if they got off to a little bit better start and they had really better runs at the play tracks, 37th at Daytona, 30th at Talladega, uh, and 17th at Daytona, I think if they even have better two play tracks, they're right in the playoff hunt, at least conversation this year. Um, the 37th at Daytona really hurt them, and also, like I said, the 30th at Talladega really hurt them. But other than that, they've been pretty solid all year long. They really have – they've had a lot of speed, so – um, that 37 car to me is, is one that is certainly um, somebody who's been most approved. Okay, how about this, guys? One end of the spectrum to the other. Again, I know I'm sort of on you here quick. I'll start with you, Philip Matthew. Most disappointing team so far here in 2019. Um, what are your thoughts so far on who that could be? There's a few options out there, uh, but what team were you looking forward to? Or even a driver you were looking forward to and saying, I was really expecting them to have a solid year, and they struggled so far in 2019. I could take that a couple of ways. I, I'll I'll go with not the obvious choice. I'll go with Ryan Priest, since you talked about the improvements of the 37, Chris Buescher, and how generally over his entire career he's kind of been under the radar. Uh, I thought Ryan Priest was a major improvement in the driver department. Uh, they made some changes uh, there at JTG Doherty to try to be competitive with two cars, with the Hendrick engines. I really thought that Ryan Priest would, would stand out and actually make a difference there, but he's had a rough, a really brutal, brutal year uh, this year as a rookie and I think it's a shame, really, because he's. I know he's got another year. He's going to be in there again next year. So, in that sense, he's okay. But it's something that surprised me, considering the kind of potential uh, he has and the talent he has shown in his in his modified, his really good, really great modified career, and then his limited uh, Xfinity starts for Gibbs and going and winning which makes guys like Brandon Jones look ridiculous. Uh, it, I think it's kind of a, a shame that the 47 has struggled as much as they have, and I'm surprised that they've struggled that much. That's, I would say, on a quick take uh, for the most disappointing. And there's other ones that could probably come up, though. You probably can bring them up. Yeah, I tell you, Ryan Priest is an excellent choice, Philip, and I'll, I'll say that because – you know, when you think about 
where they started the beginning of the year. And, you know, I think it was Atlanta. He had a really strong run and had a pit road incident. And really since then, they haven't really run that good. Um, if I told you at the beginning of the year, though, that Ryan Priest was going to be behind Bubba Wallace in points 22 races into this season, I think we would have sat there and been like, oof, they would have had a real tough year. And they have, let's be honest. Uh, it's not been the way gone the way they've gone. And, and remember how much early in the year we were talking about Daniel Hemrick struggling. Um, he's rebounded and passed Priest, and now you know he's almost become uncatchable now for for Ryan Priest. So um, it looks like Hemrick's going to run away with that Rookie of the Year title here in 2019. And that you know after the first 10 races, if you, I told you that, you would have been saying no way. But again, um, it just shows you how bad Priest has struggled and really how much Hemrick has righted the ship here. Uh, in 2019. How about you, Spencer Cowan? Uh, anybody that stands out to you as far as most disappointing driver or team here in 2019? Uh, I'm going to pick a guy based off the success they had last year and the struggles that they're having this year. I'm going to go with Clint Boyer with the Stuart Haas Racing. They had two wins last year and was running really well. Um, I would say uh, pretty much every week I'm not saying they contended for wins each week, but they weren't running the way they have now. I mean, he has three DNFs, I think, in the last couple months. Um, I don't know the exact numbers and dates or whatever, but um, two wins last year, well inside the playoff, was going to compete for a championship, and now this year, currently now, he is struggling to stay in the top 16 and go compete for a championship. So, um, and it's not just that team, it's the whole organization, but he's just a guy that crosses your mind based off the success they had last year to this year where they're really struggling. Yeah, he's only got one top 10 finish uh, in his last uh, eight races for Clint Boyer. So for sure, he's trying to, in that time frame, he's dropped from 10th in points to 15th. Uh, and he's really now on a on a, a spot where you look at it and you say, they better pick it up or they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, he had a – and people forget he had a run in this season where he finished in the top ten four straight times, a second at Fontana and a third at Richmond. He was looking real good. Eighth in points was the highest they got in the year. Really, since then, it's been a downhill slide for Clint Boyer. So, uh, they really need to pick it up. And, and it's, like I said, 22 races into the year, you would think that, that if I told you that Mike Bogoravich, there's some questions about whether or not he's going to – they're going to stay there with that – duo, uh, I think we all would have been shocked. So, yeah, it's been a tough, tough start to the season for Clint Boyer. I'm going to go with uh, his teammate, and I know, you know, maybe a lot of people didn't really expect a whole lot from Daniel Suarez, but I expected him to at least make the playoffs. Uh, he's 23 points from the cutoff right now in Jimmy Johnson. He's still got a chance to make it, um, but, you know, he's been rather disappointing, especially lately. Now, I know uh, Stuart Haas, is, as Spencer said earlier, Stuart Haas has really struggled this year. Uh, compared to where they were a year ago. But, you know, my problem with with, uh, with Daniel Suarez is it just seems like whenever he's at a track that he has to run good or he can run good at, he really hasn't done it. Um, and he got off to a real solid start this year. It looked like he was going to ride the ship. I even think I said this year, hey, watch that kid Suarez. He's really done good this year. Uh, he's really putting it all together. Um, and it just seems like recently, again, he's really fallen off. And you know, hasn't finished in the top 10 more than three times this year in a row. Uh, and it's just the consistency is not there. I know there's some questions about whether Billy Scott is the right man for the job there, but uh, I think Suarez has really struggled this year as well. I think when you look at um, where that team, I think also where that team's run this year, 
in 2019, I think uh, they've been a little disappointing. I think Paul Menard you could throw in that list as sort of an honorable mention uh, compared to the other Team Penske cars in the organization. I mean, Ryan Blaney's 10th in points. He's the lowest Team Penske car, and Paul Menard is 19th. So uh, it's been been disappointing there. Uh, how about best organization, guys? Um, you know, and that, that takes into consideration all four or all two or all three uh, of, of a team's of an organization's teams. Um, what are your thoughts, guys, on, on the best organization? I'll start with you, Spencer Cowan. What organization has been the best so far here in 2019 in your mind? Um, probably Joe Gibbs. I mean, look at what Shurek has been able to do this year. Um, look what Kyle has been able to do. Denny's coming on strong now the past, you know, three months, um, really showing that he can – compete for the championship and Kyle and Shurex have shown that they can compete for a championship all year, except the, you know, the early start of the season, we were like, well, you know, this 19 team isn't where they were with the 78, but they've passed all that, got their stuff together. The only guy who's really been struggling is Eric Jones, but these past couple of races, he's picked it up finishing third, second, fourth, whatever. And um, now he's kind of well inside the, um, of making the playoffs and points. Um, so, you know, for him coming on strong these past races and those three guys that's really been showing that they've been champion, championship contenders all year, um, Joe Gibbs and Mize are the, is the team to beat uh, for the Toyota camp anyway. Yeah, and uh, let me tell you, I think that's probably going to be the unanimous, uh, unanimous decision there, Spencer. How about you, Philip? I mean, Joe Gibbs is a pretty, um, pretty good pick for best organization so far this year. Is there anybody else that, that uh, in your mind, that could sort of compete with them? I mean, earlier in the season, we could have said I could have made the argument for for Penske between Brad and and Joey and the way they were running. Uh, but honestly, just the complete, you know, over the first twenty some odd races of this season, you it it's Gibbs, uh, and this is taking into account the fact that. Kyle Busch hasn't won since Pocono in June. Uh, he's only finished outside of the top ten, I think, four times all year. Uh, Truex has been basically more or less on a heater. Uh, and Hamlin definitely is the hottest of the drivers at Gibbs right now, along with Eric Jones, who's on a, you know, basically he's up against it trying to save his job. So, And then you can go and get into the D burrito and how he – how all of a sudden, you know, his job's on the line and they've picked up the pace a little bit. And uh, they now he's he had four top tens, I think, his entire career or something, or three top tens his entire career. Now he's had four top tens in the last seven or eight races or something. So, I mean, you got to say it's, it's Gibbs probably. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Toyota's really found something here over the last six to eight weeks. Where they've not, they were good to start the year, but they really picked it up a lot to uh, in the in the middle of this year. To me, to where you know they got all five teams running good. The road courses they were outstanding, phenomenal both road course races this year. And it seemed like Sonoma was really where we first saw Toyota in their dominance here in 2019. 917-889-8280. That's the number here to call tonight on Talking Circles. We got a guest coming up. Uh, it's Zach. And I, I apologize if I said this incorrectly. Sternanolo, 
from the Pocono record. He also writes for frontstretch.com. We're going to talk a little bit about Pocono. One of the most interesting news so far here in 2019 is Pocono. And I know we ran it a couple of weeks ago and we, did, we talked about it. But I kind of want to get into uh, a little bit more of the details about it, how the people around Pocono are feeling, uh, what the future might be for the, for the doubleheader race. And also we'll talk about IndyCar. There's rumors that IndyCar might not come back to Pocono, so we'll get to that a little bit later as well. But, uh, Zach, thanks for joining the show. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, can you just give us a little bit of your background uh, as far as what you've done so far um, and uh, how you how you started working for the Pocono Record and, and started working for Front Stretch? Uh, can you just kind of, you know, bring us into to a little early part of your life and, and what got you into racing and um, and how you got to where you are today? Sure. So um, I've been a race fan my whole life. Uh, started uh, as, an, as a NASCAR fan, Jeff Gordon fan, really from as young as three years old and um, really latched on to the sport early. Um, and that's really what drove me into sports journalism, honestly, was uh, I wanted to be around the sport somehow, some way. Um, didn't have any means <laughs> actually raised by any means. And so I um, had the chance to write. Uh, I, so the way that the job at the Poker Record came about, um, I'll make a long story short, uh, my senior year of high school was 2012. That was the year that the track was repaving and shortening its race distances. And Brandon Dudgalski, who was then the CEO and president of the track, was, uh, had made himself very available via social media. I had asked him uh, via email what his expectations were um, for all the changes. He actually gave me a really good response. I wrote something up. Um, showed it to my English teacher at the time, who then suggested I send that to the sports editor at the Pocono Record. Um, long story short, that was March. Um, by August, I was able to start freelancing for the paper and um, freelanced for a year and a half. Um, did some high school football uh, in there as well with uh, basketball, so, some other things. Um, went part-time at the beginning of 2014, and then I've been full-time with the record uh, since since then, since uh, November 2014, and um, mainly focused on high school sports in, in the area, but um, NASCAR and racing in general is, is still the passion, still still the goal, um, and I uh, was, was lucky enough to join Front Stretch as well just last month, and uh, it, it's been fun to, to, to be connected with the sport and to have, the, have made the connections and been around the media center for, for the last few years. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I tell you, it, it's certainly a fun sport to cover uh, if you if you get the opportunity to do it. Um, it it could be, you know, I know a lot of people um, go out and, and do multiple races a year, and it could be certainly a grind. Um, but it certainly is is fun to to um, to cover. First question I want to ask you about this Pocono doubleheader, and if you you know have uh, been under a rock the last couple of weeks, Pocono is going to run two Cup races next season, back to back days. They're going to have a uh, a truck series race on Saturday and a cup series race on Saturday as well. And then they're going to run a cup series race on Sunday as well as an Xfinity series race on Sunday. So it's going to be a busy two days, busy three days at Pocono Raceway. When you first heard about this, I'm sure you knew about this, Zach, uh, or had inklings about this for a little while before it was announced. Um, but when you heard it and you heard how it was going to go down, what was your initial reaction to this? Um, you know, somebody who, and, and I go to Pocono a lot, I live not too far from the racetrack, um, you know, they've had two dates there for a long time, really, I think since the 80s, they went to two dates, 
Um, and they were 500-mile races. They shortened the 400-mile races. Now we're going to do a doubleheader weekend where the race, the cup races at least, are going to be a lot shorter than what they were, they've been in the past. Some people were excited about that. Um, but I guess overall, what did you think about this announcement when Pocono came out with it? Well, I wasn't surprised that Pocono was the first track to be willing to do it just because they've been willing to, to accommodate NASCAR um, in, in different changes and different avenues for the last few years as it has, as it's been. So um, we saw the institution of double file restarts make their debut at Pocono back in uh, 2009. Um, they've been, it's really since Brandon Nagdalski took over um, the reins from uh, his grandfather, Doc Mattioli. Um, really, I feel like Pocono has been willing to make these changes and, and willing, been willing to experiment. I love the idea of the change. Um, I know it, it's kind of been a mixed review from what I've heard from um, people a- around the area, just as far as the concern of how it will affect local businesses when you take out one major weekend and cram it all into one, because while the, the racetrack will s- still certainly get the revenue of getting uh, two cup dates from from the season obviously the hotels um and local establishments are gonna that they lose of course that extra three days that would normally have been guaranteed in years past but from a purely nascar perspective i love the idea uh why not try to make it an a dream motorsports weekend and uh, I, I think Pocono is the right place to give it a shot. Get ARCA done on Thursday with practice qualifying and racing. You get a day of uh, cup practice and, and, and qualifying as well as truck practice and qualifying on Friday. Then you get a, a full day's worth of you get the truck race and the cup race on Saturday, and you get the Xfinity race and the cup race on Sunday. Um, I don't, as far as the motorsports side of it, I see no negatives to this. Interesting. So um, I guess you kind of touched on a little bit, but I am sort of uh, want you to elaborate on it if you can, the local flavor. I mean, uh, you're obviously, you know, since you work for Pocono Record, I'm sure you're local there. You, I'm sure you know race fans that are local. Uh, I'm sure you know people who probably spent two weekends of a summer there camp at the campground at Pocono Raceway, camping there, um, and, and get excited for two, two races. I mean, I remember one of the highlights going to Pocono is when you go on the Long Pond Road there, and you got people waiting for you to, and, and wait to see all the fans leave, and they wave to you. It's kind of cool, and they do it every time they go there. So um, to sort of – is there, I guess, what is the local feel for this, A? And B, uh, you touched on a little bit about the negative as far as having one less week, um, but can that sort of be – do you think this can be something where we'll see more fans come to Pocono Raceway because there's only one weekend instead of fans saying where I've been guilty in the past, I won't go in June. I got something to do. I'll go in July. Now it only gives you one opportunity to go see the Cup guys in uh, in Eastern Pennsylvania. So, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I certainly agree because I, you look at um, my family did, did very much the same thing. Was all right. Well, let's not do this one, but let, let's let's do the later one. Um, you're you're going to have one shot next year, and that's it. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. As far as the, the camping aspect of it goes, I, I am interested to see how uh, see what the reaction is there. I haven't heard too much from fans in the area regarding the camping situation, um, be, being that you know th- this was a this has been a 
destination racetrack for campers, um, the infield the last couple of years have been very packed, which has been great to see. Um, it seems like okay, this is a little bit um, of a tan, uh, uh, of a sidebar, but I, I feel like Pocono has been one of the tracks that wasn't hit as hard um, as far as the attendance, the drop in attendance goes. It certainly dipped, don't get me wrong, but I don't yeah. feel like it dropped as much as some other tracks. Um, that being said, the camping situation, um, it'll be interesting to see whether, if there's any backlash to that. I know that Ben May said in his press conference that um, campers who have been there for 20, 30 years are going to have priority um, as far as their, their campsites, picking their campsites goes, which is a great idea. And the fact that um, ticket prices aren't changing at all is also a major plus, in my opinion. Um, and I think that's exactly why you're going to see more people coming out to, to on both Saturday and Sunday because you're going to get a cup you're you're going to get two cup races in the same weekend um, for not for no increase in price. Uh, like I, I don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to like promote the racetrack or anything, but I do think it, it that it's a great initiative um, for for the racetrack and for fans willing to be there. So the local aspect, yeah, you're going to lose a lot of income um, as far as the local economics go. But um, I, I think uh, you alluded to some, some IndyCar stuff earlier. We don't know if that weekend's going to be there either. And I think that's really the wild card in all of this. I have a quick question for you real quick. Um, is there any problems you envision such as a busy weekend? You know, we all know it's going to be a crazy weekend. Like, are you afraid um, that there might not be enough time to get everything in with their have with such a certain amount of time and it being such a busy weekend? Well, certainly that's going to be the, the, the biggest question um, uh, is what, what, what do you do if it rains, which is not a, um, a rarity at Pocono by any means. Um, we, Nick Igalski was asked during the press conference whether or not a rain plan had been established yet. He said no. Um, a little concerning, but at the same time, you got to get the, the, the skeleton built before you can get the uh, prepare for, for any kind of mishaps along the way, I guess. Um, it's going to be very, very difficult to, to make sure that everything gets lined up with that or with any kind of disruption, whether it's a red flag for weather or for a crash or, or anything, um, the slightest thing off schedule is really going to affect the weekend. Thursday, you can get away with just about anything for, for the ARCA series, but, and probably the same for Friday. But um, if, if there's any kind of delays on, on Saturday or Sunday, uh, this, this whole thing gets a whole lot more challenging, and, and that's really what concerns me most. All right, Zach. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. This is Phil. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you, in terms of the second race, uh, have you heard anything in regards to the length? I know they've talked about 350 miles for the Saturday race, which then will end up being an invert for the lead lap cars on Sunday. Have you heard anything in regards to that? And you mentioned ARCA. And have you heard anything in regards to because there's a merging of the ARCA and the K&M series, is there a possibility of a, like an all-star race like they have at Iowa 
where they're going to have like a introduction to big tracks or some of those K&N series drivers at, at Pocono for that Thursday uh, afternoon show? Sure. So I'll, I'll first start by addressing the, the cup race distances. Uh, I know, uh, so Sunday is confirmed that that's going to be 350 miles and 140 laps. It's the Saturday date, uh, the Saturday cup race distance that's in flux right now. Um, they're expecting that to be 350 or at least somewhere thereabouts, um, but that's the one that hasn't been uh, um, made official yet. So it'll be curious. I'm curious to see where that goes, whether it goes. I don't see it going more than 350 by any means, but I would imagine um, if it's not 350, it's either going to be 300 or, or 325. So um, it'll be interesting to see what we what we get out of that Saturday race. As for ARCA, um, it is interesting being that the K&N and ARCA series will merge next year. From my understanding, ARCA is going to be uh, the series where – uh, that still goes to the big racetracks and K&N, not so much. So I think you'll still see um, ARCA as the, the main series um, going to Daytona, um, Pocono. Uh, I would imagine some of the mile and a half. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like with the K&N stuff yet, um, but I, I, I wouldn't put it out, out of the realm of possibility for this to, to be um, an all-star kind of an event, um, be, especially being that now you're only you're only going to have one ARCA event at Pocono as opposed to the two that they've typically had um, for quite a while now. All right, okay. I I was also thinking about this because talking about lengths of of the races, and we talked about it. I think we've also talked about it on social on Twitter in the stages now. Has there been any talk? Is there any rumors or possibilities of a removal of stage breaks or what kind of stage lengths are we going to have? Because now when you're talking about a 350 or a 325 mile uh, total race, it probably becomes only about a two or a three, probably a two pit stop race or three pit stop race. Uh, even with the current uh, package, have you heard anything in regards to uh, stages or stage lengths? Well, it's, it's a great question. I, I, I don't know yet. Um, I, there's not been any, men- there wasn't any mention of it, I should say, at, at the press conference, and I haven't seen anything else come out about that yet. Um, certainly that's going to be something on my mind as, as we head into IndyCar weekend next weekend. Um, and, and maybe, uh, maybe Nick or Ben will be willing to, um, uh, show their uh, uh, show their hand at that point, but uh, at this point, I haven't seen any discussion about the stage length. I would imagine, at least for the 140 lap race, you're probably looking maybe 30 lap stages, um, where you get um, stage one at the end of lap 30, stage two at the end of lap 60, and then you have until you have an 80 lap, I guess, um, final stage. But at the same time, you wouldn't necessarily – I don't think NASCAR would go for a 30-lap stage because the fuel mileage game, and and no one would have to make a pit stop there. Everyone pits again during the the second – or during the stage breaks, and you kind of lose that that strategy that's always made Pocono interesting, which, I mean, I think we've seen stages already hurt Pocono. Um, the last couple of years. So it's going to be interesting. I, I, I don't know really how they're going to address it, but uh, I think it's certainly something they're going to have to figure out sooner rather than later. 
Yeah, I had another, I was just thinking about this also, because of what we saw on the racetrack during the two weekends. I mean, Clayton and I went in June and then what you guys, what you saw there a few weeks ago, I know that they're talking the 550 package is a, is a thing. And it seems like Phelps and all of them are, are quite obsessed with the 550 package and swear it's, it's the end all be all uh, fix everything for NASCAR, but from a lot of observers, informed observers like ourselves, somebody who's watched this sport for 27 years, uh, I don't think that outside of the restarts that the 550 package uh, was the greatest solution. I'll give Nick and the whole crew at the track credit for trying to run the PJ1. I think my question is, in terms of aero or any discussions in terms of motors, has there been any talk of possibly going to, to the 750 uh, or, or offering their ideas of saying, hey, let's do the 750 package for the races next year at Pocono and or with the PJ1 since Danny Hamlin mentioned it? Uh, I guess this will be another two questions. I'm pulling a Wolfgang here. Um <laughs> I'm uh, because I've sat there with him, so I know he does this. And the will will the fact that they have all that racing and all that stuff going on in such a short amount of time make that PJ one more of a factor next year than it was in a few weeks ago? Because it didn't seem like anyone wanted to go there until Sunday afternoon uh, for well, for the race. Well, it's interesting because I. I, I noticed the same thing, and I, I was fortunate enough to ride around the uh, the pace truck um, Sunday morning with Daniel Hemrick, and he was he was not optimistic um, that the PJ one would be would come in at all, um, especially if it hadn't come in by lap 25 or lap 30, um, it would essentially be a non-factor. That being said, um, we certainly saw it come into play on Sunday. That was the only race of the weekend where it actually seemed to make a difference. Truck truck guys thought it was totally irrelevant um, and it seemed much the same for the ARCA race, but again, a small field there. Um, But as as for Sunday in the cup race, I thought um, everything there, um, it, it worked better. Um, I think we got a better show on uh, just a couple weeks ago than we did in June. We saw some guys able to make some passes. We saw Denny Hamlin, um, even though his teammates were saving more gas than he was, able to use that outside, able to, um, whether it was in turn one and turn three, some, uh, it, the PJ1 got more positive reception after the race, um, despite some guys saying that it definitely still needed some work. Um, I think Denny and his presser after the race said that maybe, like, maybe you bring it half a lane down um, or, or maybe a couple more feet down. Um, but the problem is, and, and Johnny Sauter mentioned this after, after the truck race as well, was, the problem is if you if you bring it all the way to the bottom of the racetrack, it changes nothing. Everyone's fighting for the bottom again as as it is. So um, it, it, it it's it's a fine line there for for NASCAR to try to balance. Um, I, again, like like you said, credit to the racetrack for at least being willing to try it, um, and, and and being willing to try to fix something because they knew they couldn't have another June race. Um, as for the package, I I haven't heard anything in regards to. Poss- to 
to possibly go into the 750 package at Pocono. I, I would be shocked, honestly, if they did. Um, and I don't know that it's – don't get me wrong. I, 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 I'm not a big fan of nerfing the power on these cars as it is. But if you're going to, I don't think you need to have the high downforce on, on it. I think the cars still need to be difficult to drive. Now, driver, driver talent, the, the cars still get spread apart, this, that, the other. Uh, NASCAR is kind of in a box there because if you take away the high downforce, you're not going to have really any kind of thing to hold the cars closer together to create those passing opportunities. But even the, even now, the pa- passing opportunities um, you can you can catch a guy or stay with a guy, but you can't actually make the pass on him unless you get a, some miraculous run. So it it it's really tough to say. Um, I spoke with Denny after the June race, and he was telling me he he was pretty adamant actually that um, you need different packages at different racetracks, um, not necessarily horsepower or downforce, but um, this was Denny's quote. He said, ultimately, I would love to see a Generation 7 car that has like a pod from the rear window back, almost like an IMSA car. Okay, this is a short track pod for the back. This is the intermediate pod that goes on the back, and this is for super speedways. It makes it to where you can put on the best race possible at each given racetrack. It's a great idea. I don't know how feasible it is financially, especially for, for like smaller teams. But, I, I, you know, I think that's something that the sanctioning body should at least consider and at least look at look at to see if it's a possibility because we've seen improvements on the intermediates but if whatever improvements we see there which you know that depends on who you talk to as well um whatever improvements you see also negatively affect even the short tracks the the road courses i don't know that there is one package that you can take to every racetrack and it works Yeah, one more question for you. Um, is there anything that you would change from this weekend? Like, is meaning anything that you don't like and that you would change to make it the way that um, would work in your eyes? Are you talking about for for this most recent doubleheader this weekend, or for the for the yeah, doubleheader? Double the doubleheader. Uh, yes. So for the doubleheader, uh, I don't know that there's anything I would change. Honestly, I may. I you know what? I think there's one thing I would change is. Right now, Saturday is um, you ha- it's, it's at least slated to start with Xfinity Series practice on Saturday. Then you go into the truck race. Then you go into the Cup race. I and at this point, Xfinity isn't on track until Saturday. I, in my opinion, think you should just get the Xfinity guys out there on Friday. Have all three series practicing on Friday. That way, everyone who's there as a fan will be able to see all three series on track that that day and then on Saturday start the day with Xfinity Series qualifying then truck series or maybe Xfinity Series final practice and then go into the truck race um, cup race and then Sunday have Xfinity qualifying Xfinity race cup race that's probably the only thing I would change at this point Um, again I just hope that they have enough of a safety net with the weather situation that's really going to be the the key factor in my opinion. Yeah, it's gonna be really interesting, and 
Uh, Zach, we thank you so much for coming on tonight. I have one more before I let you go here, and that's IndyCar. You mentioned IndyCar coming uh, this a couple of weeks to, to Pocono Raceway, um, but there's been some rumors that they're not going to return here in 2020 now. You know, they, they were gone for a long time, and it was a big deal when they came back uh, a couple of years ago. But what is what do you think is the biggest holdup there, and do you think we will see IndyCars at Pocono Raceway 2020? What are your thoughts? Well, it sounds to me like Nick Igdalski and Ben May uh, really would like to see IndyCar back at Pocono in 2020. Whether or not IndyCar wants to be back seems to be where conversations are stalling. Um, exactly why, I don't know. I would imagine that there is some hesitation from drivers considering the very unfortunate um, incidents we've seen at Pocono in the last five years. Um, obviously, it was a freak accident, what happened to Justin Wilson uh, a few years ago, but um, sadly, we saw kind of a, a similar situation, uh, it, uh, similar in the sense that it was a freak accident uh, with Robert Wickens going into the catch fence last year. Um, I, I got to imagine that that weighs on the minds of these drivers, whether they um, will speak publicly about it or not. I mean, I believe it was a couple months ago when Simon Pagino was on the Dale Jr. download he admitted some um, hesitation about the place. So I, I do wonder if, if that's where the, the holdup is coming from, whether it's from IndyCar's sanctioning body or if it's coming from, from the grid. Um, I don't think I blame any of those guys for those hesitations. Um, but whether or not I think IndyCar is going to be back next year, I, I hope. I hope they are because I think the racing that we've seen at Pocono has been fantastic. Um, outside of last year, uh, but whether or not it actually happens, I, I'm just not really convinced at this point that they will be back. It sounds like more signs. I, I, I heard a rumor dating back to I think probably May that uh, May, yeah, I think it was May that uh, IndyCar may not be back. So if that holds true, um, I, I, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and you would think that they would have to, if they're going to go back there, they would have to announce it here in the next month or two at the latest, just logistically-wise. Um, I'm not sure when IndyCar uh, announces their schedule, but you would think here in the next month or two they will announce that. So we'll know the fate of uh, IndyCar and Pocono. Um, and I, I think you're absolutely right. I think the, the accents do weigh on these drivers. Uh, where can we see some of your work, Zach? I know you mentioned it earlier, Pocono Record and FrontStretch.com, but you know, is there a weekly article you do for FrontStretch or – uh, how often do you write for the Pocono Record? Just so if, if for people to find you, um, you know, how often can we see? You and what are you, are you on Twitter? Uh, let us know that. As I well. am on. Yeah, I am on Twitter. So uh, you can follow me there at Zaxter. That's Z A C H S T U R. I write a weekly NASCAR column for uh, for the Pocono Record. Um, you can find that on my Twitter page as well as on PoconoRecord.com. Not writing weekly for Front Stretch at this time, more of a more in an editing role right now. Um, but certainly uh, would like to um, keep writing that as as the opportunities come up. I was able to write my first piece for them uh, this week on Monday. Uh, basically, wrote about Chris Busher and the remarkable consistency that he's had since May. Um, so you can check that out on FrontStretch.com. Um, as well as, again, my Twitter page. Um, every Monday I'm writing the, my, my Zach's Turn column for the Pocono Record, and uh, that will continue even through the uh, – as we get ready to get into high school football here in Monroe County, Pennsylvania. So um, looking forward to that, as well as uh, keeping up with 
um, every, everything racing. I also uh, co-host a podcast on ESPNPoconos.com called Side by Side with John Sabatino. Again, that is also available um, every Monday at 4 p.m. at ESPNPoconos.com. So a little bit of everything lately, but uh, having, having tons of fun with it. Well, we had a ton of fun tonight. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's a lot to be here. Thanks, thanks, Zach. So uh, some good stuff there from from him about Pocono Raceway and the doubleheader. It's just such an interesting topic because it's something we've never seen before in NASCAR. And he certainly gave us some insight there on Pocono Raceway, what we're gonna, what we expect to see, what the local feel, flavor is really uh, as the doubleheader weekend is coming next season here for NASCAR in 2020 917-889-8280 that's the number to call here tonight at talking circles if you want to talk to me philip or spencer here as we dive back into uh a preview weekend guys there's three races a triple head trip i wouldn't say triple header but all three major nascar series are in action this weekend uh trucks series and the cup series are at michigan international speedway and you've got the xfinity series at mid ohio this weekend as well we'll get to our, our picks here in a second, but I kind of want to go through um, a couple of the entry lists, which I like to do just so people get an idea of who's in the, this race, who's not in these races um, for uh, for the upcoming races here this weekend in NASCAR. Uh, the Corgan Oil 200, that's a truck series event. We'll start there. Um, it's, again, at Michigan International Speedway. It's going to be Saturday, uh, August 10th, so it's not a Friday night race. It's going to be a Saturday race for them here at Michigan. A couple of notable drivers. You still have Todd Gilliland in the four. Um, Sheldon Creed in the two, even though he's going to have uh, a crew chief, a car chief left, and, and a lot of, of of a lot less team members on that team this week as he got a penalty this weekend that stemmed from Eldora Speedway, uh, three-race suspension. The team, uh, A bunch of team members got there, including his crew chief and his car chief, Jeff Stankiewicz. Uh, so we won't see them until uh, a few weeks. So he's got a new crew chief this weekend, a, new, a lot of new team members as well there on that two truck. Uh, and then you have uh, Joni Micek in the A. It'll be interesting to see if he runs at all, uh, runs all the laps. He's usually starting park so far this year, but they have sponsorship on that truck, so we'll see. Johnny Sauter in the 13, of course. you got Anthony Alfredo in the 15 for uh, David Gilliland racing in the third truck for them. Austin Hill in the 16. Tyler Ankrum, who's run really good here recently. Kevin Bonomani in the crew chief of that 17 truck for David Gilland racing. Harrison Burton in the 18. Uh, then you have Brett Moffat, the defending champion, in the 24. Ross Chastain, of course, in the 45 this weekend for Nice Motorsports. His teammates can be Bailey Curry in the 44 this weekend. Christian Eckes in the 51 for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Then you have Stuart Friesian, last week's winner. He's in the 52. Natalie Decker in the 54, third truck there again for uh, David Gilliland. Frankie Kerr's the crew chief over there, um, the, the the dirt ace there. Matt Crafton, he'll be in the 88 truck, of course. Then you got Grant Enfinger and Ben Rhodes in the 98 and 99, of course, all for Thor Sport Racing there. Those are your big guys so far uh, at, at Michigan. So we'll dive into our picks here, guys. Uh, I'll start with you here, Spencer Cowan. Uh, man, is, is Ross Chastain the favorite to win this week? It seems like every time we go to – uh, a truck series event. Ross Chastain is the favorite. Do you think that holds up this weekend at Michigan? I mean, they they definitely got speed in their race trucks, and they're going to continue to bring speed. And I don't see why. I'm not just saying this. I'm a fan. I'm sure Philip agrees, and you agree. I don't see why we can't um, 
say he is a contender for the win. I mean, they're bringing phenomenal race trucks, and that's what it that's what it takes to win these races. And he's aggressive. And um, you know, if you ask me, I kind of look at him like the Kyle Busch of the truck series. You know, in the beginning of the season, I mean, you you sit there and think, well, wow, is he really going to win again? Like Ross is probably going to go out and win, and he's just he's that good this year. And um, so yeah, I think he has a good shot and. Um, you know, and then you're just going to have your normal guys that always run up front. Freeson, I'm sure, will run up front. Kraft and Sauter, your main big guys, championship contenders, will definitely be up front. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they all uh, pan out here. You know, Freeson, whether or not he carries momentum into um, into that race. Somebody to look out for this weekend, uh, Philip. I think maybe somebody who could be um, – a, a contender for Ross Chastain. That's Brett Moffitt. He's two for two in the Truck Series in his in the last five races here at Michigan. I mean, who remember who can remember that? To me, the one of the most impressive races he ever had in NASCAR was when he was substituting uh, for Matt Gibson, the 11 for Red Horse Racing, and made an unbelievable pass at the end of that race on a final lap to go to victory lane <laughs> in the Red Horse Racing truck. Uh, and and then he won last year with uh, Tory. So Moffitt looks. This is his type of racetrack. Uh, do you think he's going to have a shot at, at sort of – I think Chastain looked at as a favorite just because he's been so strong this year. But what about Brett Moffitt's chances on Saturday, Philip? Oh, yeah. I mean, Brett Moffitt, the way he's been running uh, quietly is, you know, it didn't start out – the year didn't start out the way he probably wanted it to. But when you consider Kyle Busch was sitting there and winning every week, it kind of ruins the productivity of everybody else. So the fact that Brett Moffitt's kind of built up to this and he's won a couple of races on merit and uh, he's going to one of his best racetracks, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. GMS has big horsepower. They bring good trucks to the bigger racetracks for him to get a third win at Michigan International. I, I mean... There, the, I would say that we're going to see, and it's been a Chevy, and, and honestly, just going, it's been a Chevy track in recent years. Bubba Wallace went and won in a one-off with MDM uh, with the Maestro's 99 truck a couple years ago that kind of got him back on the map, uh, and uh, he got goofed on by his BFF on the glass case of emotion in the process. But the fact is, I think for this race, uh, it, I think it's going to be a different winner, whether it's somebody, I, I think it's going to be somebody that hasn't won this year, uh, not one of the people that generally has won. So, uh, I, I would I would venture to say Crafton finally gets a win, which solidifies his uh, position in the playoffs uh, because Ford makes this big thing about, you know, winning at Michigan. And I think it would be a big deal for Crafton. He's been on a little bit of a, a dry spell uh, in terms of trying to win a race. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I was just going to bring up Thor Sport just because Sauter's been really good there recently too in the past. And uh, I think when you look at, at that stand from that standpoint, you have to sit there and say, um, 
you know, they might have a shot because it, it's a race that Ford puts a lot of, of emphasis on, and I think the teams really want to win for Ford uh, over there. Middle uh, Ohio is next. Um, it's the Mid Ohio Xfinity Series race, P and L Transport 170 at Mid Ohio Sports Car Course. Um, it's a road course, so there's going to be a lot of names out there that you look at and you go, oh, I'm not really sure who that is. Um, but we'll get we'll break them down for you as best we can. You have your regulars, of course, Cole Custer, Christopher Bell, um, Justin Allgaier, Tyler Reddick's there, of course. Then you have uh, you know you also have Michael Lynette, and then you have uh, Austin Sidrick, who won last weekend uh, at a road course at Watkins Glen, so he'll be your favorite. Somebody to look at least keep an eye on Brandon Jones of the 19. He's there as well. He's a regular. We see in this series a lot. So your regulars are there. Um, you know you also have. Uh, Noah Gregson in the nine, of course, Junior Motorsports. We also have some interesting uh, road ringers, I guess you could call them, or uh, people who are hired for the road course race. Uh, and we used to have a guy, a, a driver who was recently announced in a in a JGR car this weekend uh, in the 18 car. Uh, these both at the entry list still Jeffrey Earnhardt, but it looks like Jeffrey Earnhardt and IK9, a sponsorship, have broken off. So they're going to go with somebody else in the, in the uh, 18. We'll discuss that in a little bit. But uh, there's a couple of road ringers here. Um, and I, I apologize for saying this wrong. Lawson Ashenbach uh, for Johnny Davis. He's somebody to keep, to keep an eye on as far as a road ringer. Uh, AJ Allmanning is back. You know, if that car passes inspection, he certainly could win. Yeah, um, yeah. That car has failed inspection the last two weeks that it's run, the last two times it's run out there. Um, you also have. Will Rogers in the 86, not really a road ringer, but somebody different in that uh, car compared to Brandon Brown is usually in that car for, for uh, Brandon Bill Motorsports. Uh, Patrick Gallagher in the 99 for B.J. McLeod. Um, Chase Briscoe, of course, in the 98, he's somebody to keep an eye on as well since he won the road course at Charlotte in the Xfinity Series last time we were out there at Charlotte. Uh, Philip, who do you got your eye on here in this Xfinity Series race? Um, you know, is it Cindric? You know, John Hunter Nemechek's there as well, but he's not really considered a road racer per se. Or is it Almendinger or Christopher Bell? Uh, who do you got uh, before I get Spencer's pick to win this Xfinity Series race? In terms of a winner, I mean, it starts with with Cindric. I mean, I'm not going to use the nickname that I usually use for him because uh, he just won and he actually earned it. So, I mean, instead of running over Kaz Grala like he did in the truck a couple of years ago at, at Mossport, uh, it's, it starts with Austin Sindrick. Uh, the three, the big three, as they made a big deal about in Cup last year and now in Xfinity, are not great road racers. None of them really have that. So this is the place where if Austin Sindrick really wants to give himself a chance to make that final four, this next few weeks is going to play the role in whether he can do that or not. Um, in terms of the 18, unfortunately, Jeffrey Earnhardt uh, got screwed by IK9 or whatever you want to go with. It depends on who you like or what the story is. Uh, they, they hired Jack Hawksworth, who's a former IndyCar driver for AJ Foyt Racing, and uh, now drives for the Jimmy Vassar, Aim Vassar-Sullivan team in uh, GTD in the IMSA series. He's one of the best uh, pros 
in that series, and he's got a great, uh, uh, you know, CV to go with uh, jumping into a stock car for the first time. Usually, they they got they got James Davison uh, to drive the 18 car uh, for the last couple of years. He's an Australian. He's driven the Indy 500. He's about to jump in the sprint car here for the first time. I would say that it would it'll start with Cindric, but I wouldn't sleep on uh you know on uh, the 18 car here on Saturday afternoon with Jack Hawksworth. Yeah, it's been interesting because they've uh like you said they've gone with a, sort of an Indy car driver there, an open wheel driver I guess you can say over the last couple of years uh in that 18 car for Joe Gibbs Racing at these road court standalone road course races, so it's going to be curious to see how he how Jack Halsworth does this weekend in the Xfinity Series. How about you, Spencer? Uh, kind of road course race. You know, we saw Jeremy Clements pull off one of these races a bunch of years ago to get into the playoffs. Um, anything can really happen. You know, a lot of these races get into a fuel mileage run towards the end, and a lot of strategy happens. So it really c- kind of can can uh, make these make these races a little crazy, especially here. We have such a big racetrack at Mid-Ohio, a 2.2-mile track there, uh, and, and the uh, Road America is even longer. But um, any thoughts on uh, on who you think has a good chance at winning here this weekend at Mid-Ohio? Yeah, I mean, uh, Philip mentioned, you know, Austin Sindrick. He has a lot of road course background. Uh, Rolex 24 Daytona he's done. He's done some smaller road course races, just one at Watkins Glen, won a truck race at a road course. Um whether or not he dumps on the trophies in his room. So, I mean, he's he's definitely got road course experience. I think he's a good pick. You got Regan Smith. He's in the eight car. Um, you know, he's decent at road courses. Um, but I'm going to have to I'm go. I'm a winner there. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he knows in, in the same equipment. So, he knows how to get it done there. But I'm going to go with the 10. I mean, whether or not it passes inspection, I don't know. He's just going to cross the line in first. Um, so, I – um, I think AJ's a good pick. I mean, he's finished second at Daytona, DQ'd. He still finished second. Um, you know, would have finished second at Watkins Glen, DQ'd. So, I think he's going to cross the line in first. Um, now they just have to worry about getting the car through tech so they can get the trophy and put it over in Cogley Racing. Very interesting. Uh, real quick, guys, you know, Michigan Cup Series event. Uh, no real changes there as far as teams that are real competitive. Spencer Boyd's going to make his Cup debut and the 53 for Rick Rare Racing. But who do you guys got? I'll start with you, Spencer. Who do you got to win this weekend in the Cup Series race at Michigan? I'm going to pray and hope. I'm going to have to go with Kyle Larson. Um, he got his first win there, has three wins there, um, you know, so he knows how to get it done there, and he's still with the same crew chief. So, um, you know, and I, Kurt's going to be – Kurt and them are both going to be fast there. So uh, Kurt was there fast previously, so – um, I'm going to have to go with 42. He's finally going to get it done. I'm hoping. So, um, I'm going to go with Chip Canassi Racing. Had a lot of success there. You can't deny that over the last few years at Michigan. How about you, Philip? Uh, your pick to win at Michigan this weekend in the cup series. Bias wants me to have a home, home, uh, state victory for Brad Keselowski after, uh, discount tire and the, and he announced uh, the an extension and now they're taking over all the a lot of the big races so Miller Lights basically not going to exist anymore which is a shame 
Uh, I yeah. think, though, that Martin Truex in his 500th cup start, which is just insane, and it tells you how long he's <laughs> been in the cup series. I think uh, he's going to win. Uh, Toyota is going to go in a, the American uh, manufacturer, Big Three's house, and uh, Martin Truex is going to go and win on his 500th start. Uh, I, I just have that feeling just because of all the, the fields and all the karma and all that stuff. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. I think, um, uh, you know, when you think about mile-and-a-half tracks, that 19 car, 78 car, whatever you want to put it, has been a class of the field uh, over the last, really, three years. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles tonight. I want to thank Zach for coming on and, and talking to us from the Pocono Record. We'll see you next time here on on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody.